So today on the podcast, we have Aaron Grubb, who is a composer, a photographer, a Nintendo nerd, and he has hacked the Spotify system and has over 100,000 monthly listeners. He has gotten over 5 million Spotify streams doing covers of Zelda music and Billie Eilish and then his own personal music. So I'm excited to talk to you about all of these tips. What's up, Aaron? How's it going? Pretty good, man. If I'm reading this history right, you had a first music release March 2020. Correct. I think maybe even February, but... Okay. Yeah. So you're like two years in. How uh, how'd you get started? Well, after taking a long break from music, because I was frustrated with where it was going and my skills and, you know, just creativity and all that. And it wasn't making any money. Um, I had kids, so I had to do something, you know, with my time that made money. Totally. (laughs) So I was always interested in photography. So I just got into photography and focused all of it on that. So I just excluded all music from my mind for a while because I could obsess over pedals and guitars and you know yeah yeah and watch youtube videos about them for hours on end so i just shut it all out of my mind did photography and in late 2019 i picked up i I decided to get back into it picked up a 50 dollars keyboard from facebook marketplace um and just plugged that into my photography editing laptop and started making just random (laughs) totally random music um just let myself explore a little bit there and uh after making i don't know how much music i decided i'd uh, give music another shot and uh released a cover of like instrumental cover because i only had a keyboard right so uh, an instrumental cover of fix you by coldplay and uh, that's that i mean that hasn't gone crazy or anything but it's absolutely paid for itself um, as far as, you know, distribution and stuff and licensing goes, but, um, that kind of started it all. And then, um, I, I did what I call probing the market where I released that one, you know, a cover of a pop song. So pop cover, instrumental pop cover, that's right. what they call it. And an original or two and a legend of Zelda cover, because I've always been into video games. My, uh, wife is even more into legend of Zelda than I am. Okay. And my kids, my kids are crazy about it. So, um, I thought it would be cool to do one of my favorite songs, Gerudo Valley. And, um, it wasn't doing anything at first. So I started researching, researching and, uh, figured out that, you know, I've always been interested in internet sleuthing. It's, it's cool. Uh, Solving some crimes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it also goes along with my interest in hacking, but I've never got into hacking. I've always just thought it was really cool. In another life, I would have gone into some computer. You'd have been Mr. Robot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Without the drugs and And imminent personalities. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I figured out you could, you know, track down these people through various means, none of them nefarious at all, but uh, just, I mean, only on Spotify, you can really do this, but, uh, and which is part of the reason I've uh, had success on there. Yeah. And these people, these are playlist curators or who are these people? Yeah. So um, what you do is you go on Spotify and uh, type in the genre or subject or like how it's going to be used, like if it's relaxing or study playlist or whatever. Sure. And then uh, click on playlists. They all come down and find the ones that actually have a lot of followers and then go to the user. And if they have a good username or their real name and a profile picture, then you can probably track them down. Whether they answer your uh, message or not is another question. (laughs) But um, I just messaged a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. I spent hours um, tracking these people down, writing messages. And uh, I finally got a hold of this one guy who has a really big playlist, and he's super nice. I keep in constant contact with him now. Um, he's in Germany. Oh, nice. And this is this is what's inter- interesting is that these people are all over the world. I mean, I yeah. talk to people in so many different countries now. Anyway, I just like, hey, uh, would you be? I mean, interested in? Well, okay, compliment first. I said, oh, your playlist is very well curated. I, you know, would you be willing to take a listen to my song and see if it fits with your playlist? 
and uh, he added it right away. And all of a sudden, I started getting hundreds of streams. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm going to focus on a little bit more because um, I want this to be a business as well as just fun, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I didn't give up making the other kinds of music, but uh, it was clear that uh, my original music was didn't fit neatly in a category that was easily playlisted. Sure. And I can talk about that a little more um, at some point too. Anyway, uh, I just kept on making new songs. Of course, it's expensive to pay for the art, for the licensing and the distribution. Um, and that was during lockdown. Yeah. So um, nobody was hiring me for photography gigs, so I couldn't pay for more releases uh, very easily. So I ended up selling a lens or two, and um, that helped pay for you know my bills and um, the odd sample library and for distribution and art and all that. So you're getting uh, art, like you're paying for the license to use the art for the games or just for having an artist make make something for you for the song? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Yeah, I friend a bunch of people on Instagram and Twitter who uh, make fan art of these games, and either they've already made one that I like, or I, I most of the time I'm asking them to commission one. And um, that's not terribly expensive, but if you don't have any money, it's expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. So now that I've got things going, it's it's just an expense. But the only thing I'm paying licensing for is the uh, cover um, song license. I was going to ask you about that. So how much is a cover song license? I, I imagine it varies. Yeah, it depends on who you go through, but I use Easy Song Licensing, and it's about $20, I think. But you only have to pay once. Okay. So so you pay once for the license, and then all the streaming royalties are yours? Yes. Um, okay. uh, it's automatically deducted through Spotify and CD Baby, all that stuff. So anyway... <clears throat> But also, I should say, you pay once, theoretically. If somebody buys a lot of downloads, that's a different situation. Got it. So when I pay for licensing, I just pay for the minimum downloads because I don't expect I'm going to have too many. But um, I'm going to have to go back and purchase more soon. You can get in trouble if you're not purchasing more you know, to cover the download licensing. Hmm. Okay. And why did you pick... CD Baby over something like maybe DistroKid or I, I used TuneCore a long, long time ago. That was my first distributor. So what, what made you go with CD Baby? Well, I knew a little about him already because uh, my brother told me about him a long time ago. He's not a musician, but back when they had a digital store, he used to go through and find a lot of indie music because okay. um, he's a more of a music nerd than I am, but not a musician. So, uh, but uh, after doing some research, there's two models, I guess you could say. CD Baby is what I would just call pay once. Okay. And if I die tomorrow, my family's not going to have to worry about paying for anything in the future. Um, as opposed to like DistroKid, you have to pay yearly. Right. And I, I think DistroKid is a great distributor, but I would say it's a great distributor if you're doing uh, original music if you're doing yeah. cover music you have to pay yearly per song uh, mm. that you cover so if if i was doing it i'd be paying a fortune per year right now i think oh, well, um, with you. so i mean if if in the future i start releasing a lot of original music i would reconsider that but uh through cd baby i just have to pay once to distribute right and, and through easy song licensing i pay once to license it so I'm happy with that. I, d I don't yeah. really do want to do it any other way. And that makes a lot of sense. Like I would have never thought about a yearly like subscription model versus a one time. So for let's say like one of the Legend of Zelda songs, how much does it cost? What's that one time startup fee? Uh, through CD Baby? Yeah. Okay. Um, I often wait for sales too, but uh, sometimes they often do like twenty five percent off. But a regular single is just ten dollars. Oh, okay. Um, but if you want to do a pro, what they call a pro release, I think uh, the pro version is like thirty dollars. I think. Okay. And what is it? What's that get you? It might be a little less than that, but uh, that connects it to like your PRO. And I think, I think somehow they also collect stuff from around the world in a different way. I can't remember. Uh, it's, it's just royalties that a lot of people don't probably aren't going to think 
about. They probably won't need to collect on. But if you're into it as far as I am in, into it a couple of years and I feel like maybe one of my original songs could be synced or used unlawfully in another country, you know, without mm-hmm. my permission, like maybe that could be helpful. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, I like that you created, I wrote down, created leverage using an existing well-loved brand, right? So you took Zelda, which is something that many people around the world are passionate about, and that you took the music of Zelda and you just started covering it. So I saw that you have another album coming out in April, like in a few weeks. Yeah, April 12th. Is that also Zelda? Yeah, it's um, so I named the first album uh, Legend of Zelda Collection Volume One. And when I chose that title, uh, nobody had used it yet. But uh, when I was searching for my own album at some point, somebody had all, else had also chosen the exact same title somehow. Uh, I don't know how that happened. Um, but anyway, so logically, my next album is The Legend of Zelda Collection Volume Two. Yep. And I'll probably have a, a Volume Three at some point, depending on how my other projects go. There's a lot of music, a lot of Zelda music. Yeah. So, so what is it about your your covers that that you do that make them kind of specific to you, or like what do you try to do with them? I'm just curious, like like what is it when when you're thinking about doing covers that you want to like had you know what is it that you want to reimagine or do with these existing songs? Well, um, before I even decided to do this, um, I I used to look up Legend of Zelda covers, just like on YouTube, not on Spotify or anything. But, you know, people, a lot of people are doing fun stuff on YouTube. And there are some people doing some really different things on YouTube. But when I would listen to it on Spotify, for example, um, there's a lot of people sticking with the original feel of the song or not being terribly imaginative. But there are some really great artists out there doing some um, interesting things. But there's just a lot of uh, people listening to the music that sounds almost the same as the original. Mm-hmm. So I decided, I mean, I already liked doing this um, with other music, but I want to do something completely different. Although Gerudo Valley, the first one I released is a little bit different than the original, but not so different that it's revolutionary or anything. But um, the second one I released, Song of Storms, was absolutely completely different because the original is uh, like upbeat and happy, like, you know, it's really like bouncy almost. Okay, maybe not quite that much, but um, (laughs) I maybe overdid it there. But um, maybe I was thinking of Surya's song as well. Yeah, I think I was actually singing Surya's song. Anyway, it doesn't matter because I both did them this way. That's why I was thinking of both songs. But I took that kind of upbeat song and made it slow piano uh, a song with that double bass mm, it's kind of ominous in the background yeah <clears throat> and so it was more slow calm ominous sounding um, and then with Surya's song I I kind of like to think I made it kind of sound like like Jim Nopedi you know Eric Satie not quite but that's how I feel about it anyway it kind of has the same feel to me yeah um and then I added the children's choir in there as well from Audio Bro. That's one of my favorite children's choirs. That's one of the things I bought when I sold my lens. I should have used it to pay bills, but I wanted that choir. Honey <laughs> should um, always go to bills, but you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I took a couple of risks during the lockdown. I've tried to make every song different than the original, like in a big way. Not all of them have ended up that way, but I think most of them have. But I feel like a lot of people have resonated with the relaxing side of yeah. that. So I've, I've tried to go that direction with it. And, you know, people have even told me or, or just named their playlists like um, anti-anxiety or like uh, names that really show me that they're using it like therapeutically, really. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep it in that vein, um, like maybe 80% of the time. If you go back and listen to Dragon Roost Island, that's not what I did with that one, but you know, 80% of the other ones are um, more relaxing, sleep related, you know, like they might put in a sleep playlist or that therapeutic, you know, anti-anxiety, that kind of stuff. One of the reasons I like to think about people putting them in a sleep playlist. So if anybody out there is thinking about, or, you know, they maybe make music that can be relaxing, sleep music playlists are the best because mm-hmm. people will, will love your music, but they'll set it, they'll put it on go to sleep and it'll play like 10 times 
or, or, or whatever. Right. Or if it's a short playlist, they'll play over and over and over again. And if they don't turn it on in the morning, it'll keep playing. Anyway, uh, that's just kind of a, a fun fact there and a very useful fact if you make calming music. Yeah. So you kind of like, kind of like almost approached it from like, uh, like Mad World, you know, like that cover because the original is like right. such a like a, you know, and then yeah. he just took it and just like, like, what if this singer wrote this song when he was just having a really bad day? <laughs> I do love covers like that. Yeah, it's kind of like what a lot of trailer music is doing these days, where they're like taking mm. a song, oh, yeah, like a pop song, and they're just like trailerizing it where. You hear your nice little, you know, yeah, like you a single, yeah. a single little ding, ding you know, <laughs> one piano that, note. That, 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 you know, that thing that everyone knows from trailers, but then they're like, they'll always take it and then, you know, maybe like re-envision it with like a female singer or something, or depending yeah. on if it is like a song with a female singer or, or a male singer, like they'll just completely just kind of like, I remember hearing um, Smells Like Teen Spirit on a trailer and it was just like, that sounds nothing like Smells Like Teen Spirit. But they're just taking these songs, and if it's like somehow related to the movie, they'll just kind of trailerize it. So it's it's yeah. interesting to to hear certain songs reimagined by you know different styles and moods. So that that's that's interesting. I think that's cool. Me, I've always kind of like doing like metal covers of stuff. Like oh yeah, like um, the first video I ever did on YouTube a long time ago it was like years ago, maybe a couple years after YouTube came out. I did a Simpsons like metal cover. And I didn't look at it for a while and I came back and it had like 25,000 views. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, maybe back then, like, hey, maybe I should uh, do this more, but I stopped. So that it could have been a YouTuber. Right. I could have <laughs> been somebody, mom. Uh, but that's cool. Yeah. It's, I think it's always fun to just, you know, do it because you like the music and then it works out for you. So that's really cool how you've been able to sort of leverage that. Yeah. I like yeah. that it's a strategic attempt at kind of hacking the Spotify system. And I wanted to talk, go back a little bit and talk about all these cold emails. So you're pitching people, you're in their DMs, you're, you're like messaging them on Twitter. What are you saying to these people? And then like, maybe speak to how it's a numbers game. Like you're not afraid of a no, or you're not afraid of silence because you're probably getting a right. decent bit of silence, right? Yeah. You know, maybe I'm not wording it the best when I message them, but, you know, I'm doing the best I can. There's some people yeah. that write really good emails, but I'll just say, um, hey, I found your playlist on Spotify. I think, you know, if you're willing to listen to my music, I, I think it'll fit on your playlist, whatever, something like that. Or, I mean, if it's if there's some detail about it that I like or that I found interesting, I'll try to mention it because then they know you're not just spamming yeah you're just yeah. hitting them with some copy paste template yeah. or something yeah we get the we get the copy paste emails over oh, at sound iron <laughs> yeah when i started uh, messaging people i kind of went all in and i spent many many hours doing this because i was seeing a result here or there so i was like well i can't stop there yeah but i would say 60 to 80 percent of people don't respond yeah, and the people that do respond, uh, there's a only a percentage of those that say yes. So I mean, it's it it's like almost staggering the <laughs> the work you have to do to get to that mm -hmm. that small number. But if you um, just consider it as part of the work you need to do, then it's not a big deal. You just keep on plugging away, and like I just did it day after day. And since it was locked down, I had I had some extra time. I would just mm -hmm. sit there and research and try to find people's like sometimes in playlists they actually put their email so that makes it really easy sometimes they have a website you can look up um, and sometimes they have submission forms on the website but 90 more than 90 percent of the time uh, i would just have to track them down on instagram or facebook right uh, the, the problem with facebook uh you want to avoid that because if they don't know you it gets filtered out and most people never look at their filtered messages yeah they're other uh, sometimes that happens on Instagram too, but uh, a lot of times it gets through. So, and sometimes you can write a follow up and see yeah. if see if it's getting filtered, or if they just saw it and didn't answer. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I like that you're thinking of it from a numbers perspective. Like, I got to churn through a hundred no's to get to those five yeses or whatever. Yes. That's very. That's very smart, and it's not a way. It's not the way that artists usually think about their work, <laughs> where it's like, I, I'm like, this is I put everything, my whole life into this, 
and like I want you to listen to it and people are just ignoring you and then you are very <laughs> sad. You know, it's not yeah. it's not like that. Like uh you're not unveiling this masterpiece and then no one's looking at it. It's like, no, I have to I have to get through all these no's. So that's that's really cool. Uh are you planning to do any more pop covers? Like the Billie Eilish, I saw that was like your third or fourth most streamed uh single. Yeah. Um I was initially thinking no because um, they weren't adding too much to my numbers, but then that song started getting added to a bunch of playlists. So, um, and that's the thing. Um, sometimes people say like uh, playlists are overrated or getting on playlists or, you know, I, I don't know what people are talking about. Um, so <laughs> when you, when you get on one playlist, a bunch of people listen to it, then they add it to their personal playlist. Some people yeah. add it to their playlist that has followers and and sometimes if you're lucky it can like exponentially grow yeah um, the com- it's I, just compounds yeah compounding is a better word for it because it's not actually exponential but i have another one that i didn't release because i wanted to keep releasing legend of Zelda ones building up to that first album and so i put it uh it's just in a folder but if i could actually get a hold of these people that have the big playlists that have uh, that Billie Eilish cover in it, yeah. um, then it might be successful, but I have no idea uh, what would happen if I actually released it at this point. And a lot of these like playlist curators are just normal people too, right? They're like most oh, of them. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are just like normal internet people who use Spotify a lot. And then they, they slowly grow this audience of people following the playlist. Yeah. Some people do it on purpose. Um, and some people just kind of were like really surprised that they had followers and then all of a sudden they have 50,000 followers and they're like, <laughs> I don't know why I even run this playlist because I'm not getting any benefit from it exactly, except yeah. for feeling good about myself. <laughs> and loving, yeah, loving music. They're it's, in it for the love of the game. It's bragging rights, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're out at dinner and you're like, so uh, how many, how many Spotify, how many, how many people are looking at your playlist, huh? <laughs> That's funny. Put it on your resume. Yeah, exactly. Is there similar social aspects to any of the other streaming platforms like Amazon Music, Tidal, Apple Music? Not in a big way that matters to uh, us as artists. Yeah, Spotify is the giant. Yeah, it's more social, but it's also more open, I would say. So you can actually see the numbers. You can actually see people's names and usernames, yeah. so in that way, it's more it's more social. But I think that's as social as it gets, unfortunately. Yeah. So something that impressed me about what you've done is you just started doing this two years ago, and like you've yeah. already you've already just been cranking out several different projects, many many singles. How are you? How are you making so much music? Um, I think part of it. Uh, well, during lockdown, that was easy because I had more time, but. But now I don't because um, <laughs> I have three kids. Sure, um, yeah. But I think a big thing now is I've actually found my drive to, you know, like I have a focus. But um, I've also been using my uh, DAW of Choi, uh, Ableton for long enough that I've gotten efficient with it. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've, I've kind of refined my style, I guess, like, well, and and just knowing my sample library catalog, you might say, I guess, like, I'll know like, oh, I want this to have this really wide ambient feel. I'm going to use one of these six of my favorite instruments, Uh, many of them free actually. (laughs) But, you know, I've shocked myself a few times. Um, Like with that uh, demo I made for the solo violin, Mm -hmm. pretty sure I did it in less than two hours. Nice. But like, I mean, it, it wasn't small either. Lots of strings and, and some effects I've never used before. So so do you have sort of like a formula that you, that you do with these covers that are very similar and you kind of like almost like temp, template it in a way? Or like, what do you do with each cover to sort of give them their own little unique thing? Or how do you approach each one like to try to like keep it fresh or, or incorporate new things? Well, um, I, th- I feel like it's different. Not, not every time, but most of the time it's a little bit different. I just kind of play with a few different instruments. I I kind of have an idea what I want to do before I go into it. Like I could use the piano for the melody or, you know, I have a good flute library. Um, I I just think about the different things I could use and then try them out and maybe try some stuff I've never tried before and then see what sticks and Mm. 
Also, uh, another consideration is like this flute library I was using, I had to change the key of the whole song to make it fit properly. You know, it just depends on the, the instruments. Are you starting with MIDI files? Like, are you, are you grabbing a MIDI file from, from the internet and then you're like, okay, we could do it with this instrument. Like you, maybe it's, it was played on some little, you know, wooden flute in the original recording and you put it on piano or something. One of my problems like 10 years ago when I, well, not 10 years ago, around 10 years ago when I quit music was that I was a little bit too much of a purist, (laughs) Uh, but I still haven't touched pre-made MIDI files. Um, because I feel like, I mean, first of all, that might actually stop me from creating something new if I'm already starting with something pre-made. So, I mean, sometimes I even change the chords behind the music, not, not too terribly often, but sometimes I do. Are you reading sheet music or are you just like pulling pulling melodies? Yeah. Pulling melodies by ear. Yeah. A lot of times I figured out by ear. Um, okay. But if I'm in a hurry, I might go look up some sheet music. But um, sometimes the sheet music's wrong, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, that's what I felt for, I don't know, how many years, probably decades. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like whether that be real, like a real piano book, like this isn't how it goes. Yeah. Or, you know, tabs on the internet, like these are just terrible. It's not yeah. even close. It's still going on. Um well, they let anybody on the internet, you know, so you yeah. can just post well, whatever even, you want. Even back in the day when you, you know, I used to have a, like official Metallica tablature books and you're like, they're not playing it on that string. Right. You like know, you can see it in the live footage. Yeah, it's the, it's the right notes. But, you know, there's a lot of times, even those official books, there's things that are mm, it's a little suspect. Oh, yeah. But yeah. MIDI files are like that, too, for sure. So you're not a oh, fan yeah. of uh, you're not a fan of MIDI packs that so you can just, you know, <laughs> MIDI chord pack, MIDI Dragon. chord packs. Yeah, I get really tired of seeing those ads. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I see a lot of I see a lot of people on uh, social media that just clown those things all day. Oh man! Now, if I'm looking up a video about something and I see one of those people's faces, I actively <laughs> avoid them. You just punch your screen, like <laughs> yeah, punch your. I don't want to see your face again. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, another thing is some of the old Legend of Zelda songs, um, like, for example, if you go look up the game over theme from the original Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. it's just it's just one note at a time. It's just dum, 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 dum. And like, I mean, that's actually my favorite cover to do because it gives me an enormous amount of creative license. Yeah. Um, so then if you listen to my version, I start, you know, instead of the 8-bit, thing going on there i use um, a nice piano sound and then the second time around i add chords that i just kind of extrapolated from incomplete data um (laughs) it's one of my favorite phrases right now but then i added a cello and that children's choir that i add to everything but then since it's so limited already i there's a few songs i've actually added my own section to so The game over theme, for example, I added a whole new chord progression before I went back to the original progression again. And a cello solo. I've added a few cello solos in there to make things interesting. Or, I don't know, with some of those things that, I mean, a lot of video game music, especially old stuff, is made to loop. So to make it interesting, you have to really be creative. Yeah, and in my experience, Spotify has a one-minute minimum for songs like i've tried to post like 50 second or 45 seconds mm. ideas on there and they're like no wait, you have to be a minute so in that like if, a, if it was a short queue then you would probably have to loop it a few times or add new sections like you're talking about yeah or or just do the section in a different way and i try to keep them i try to keep them around three minutes but it doesn't always work out okay can you see in spotify like retention as far as like do you know what a listen like how long they have to listen for it to count as like an audience play. retention sort of thing. I think it's 30 seconds in order for you to get paid for a stream. Got it. Got it. So they're still making Zelda games, but they're not making uh, Zelda games very fast, right? So are you, when you run out of Zelda music, are you going to branch out into other video games? Yeah. Um, I already have a list of video games because I want to make a video game compilation album kind of cool where it's from various video games 
just so all of my audience isn't in one place. I don't yeah. know. But the other thing that people might find interesting, you have to look into this before you start making covers. Most pop music, you can you can just assume you can license it. Hmm. But video game music, so in the United States, they have to have released the music on a tangible medium like a cassette, CD, vinyl, something like that. Okay. Um, and I think there may be some ways around that if like the people give a blanket license or something. I don't know how that works. I just know that uh, that's the rules for me. Licensing video game music is uh, I go on the video game data, video game music database, I think it's called. And if there is a CD released in the United States, like this, this was a stumbling block at first. It's like, oh, there's a CD released for this. I can license it, right? Like, no, it was released in Europe. It was released in mm. Japan. And a lot of this music isn't isn't even released in the United States. So I can't even license all the Legend of Zelda music. It's kind of frustrating. Okay. Yeah, that um, is frustrating. So if you're thinking about cover songs, think about that. Before you spend time recording the songs, uh, inquire with somebody like Easy Sound Licensing, because you can just send them an email and say, hey, can I license this? Okay. And they'll, they'll tell you. Yeah, that's interesting. So many video game scores don't make it to other releases, like separate releases, right? They just stay in the game. Yeah. Um, thankfully, Toby Fox, for example, of Undertale and um, whatever the other one is called. Um, my, my son really likes it. But he uh, actually put it out on CDs. So okay. I know that I can license it. Same with Portal 2. I can license that. I just inquired with all these about all of those in preparation for planning ahead for the mm -hmm. compilation. Because I did waste a lot of time on some of the Legend of Zelda songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It must be a bummer to like work on it and then find out you can't release it. or yeah. Especially if it's your best one you've ever done. Yeah, you're all excited about uh, it. Oh, no. People will love this. Like, do you, so you can even, even if you want to put that on, on YouTube or something or like um, I, YouTube, there are, can be licensing issues there too. Mm. But from what I've been told, if you want to give it away for free, you could do that. So I was thinking about having a Patreon a while back. And one of the perks I was going to put in one of my tiers was access to unreleased Legend yeah. of Zelda songs, whatever, That's or just like idea. unreleased music. So as far as personal projects, I saw that you have like a rock project going on or like a, you said, what is it? Rock adjacent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I searched a long time for a band name for this project and all the good ones seem to be taken and um, I'm not cre that creative with coming up with band names. It's always the case. Find a band name. Yeah. So uh, this... I, I'm calling it another mulligan, and I will explain what that means in a second, but it will encompass everything I do with vocals, pretty much. Okay. And it will not be sticking completely to a genre, because I just can't do that. Um, <laughs> the reason it's called another mulligan, it's, it's, it, came, it came from golf originally, I think, but the Pokemon card game that my kids like to play uses a mulligan as a term for when you have to kind of restart the game. Like you don't, you didn't draw enough Pokemon to play. So you have to redraw. Got it. But I was playing a game with my son and uh, we had like three in a row and I was like, ah, it's another mulligan, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought that Pokemon fans would, would catch on to that. So, um, so one of the types of music I'm going to be doing with this project is semi electronic, like rock songs about Pokemon that are vague enough that people might not even know that I'm talking about it. And that also avoids licensing issues. But um, yeah. so the first, my first release will actually be on the 31st through oh, that. Nice. Of but, March? Uh, March. Yep. Oh, wow. Coming up. Yeah. And so, uh, and I've gotten a good response from the song so far. Um, nice. hope, hopefully I wasn't too on the nose by calling it. I choose you. Um, <laughs> since that's what he says to Pikachu anyway. Um, <clears throat> but the second song I'm releasing, I'm releasing them really quick in order just so I can establish the Spotify and other um, accounts um, or profiles. Uh, yeah. The second song is the other kind of music I'm going to be doing. Um, I call them cinematic covers. So like, uh, for example, this one, 
I'm sure you guys remember the song The Way by Fastball. Oh, is it? Yes, you got it. You got it. So it's, I mean, it's a sad story that the song is about, but they make it sound all upbeat. So I thought it would be great to slow that down and make it kind of sad. Oh, yeah. It's a sad story. So, but I'm using a lot of those ambient sounds and piano and all that and it sounds a little bit ambient and cinematic so i'm also planning to do creep by radiohead oh nice and and make it sound a little mysterious and and uh, cinematic oh yeah that should be that should be uh an easy one to take it down that dark right. alley yeah <laughs> it's already it's kind of like haunting on its own yeah so um i'm also doing like kind of subdued vocals you might say so i'm instead of like belting it out and using my full range that i haven't gotten back into shape yet um it's kind of more like on the airy side so that's the second type so there's a third kind of music that i'm going to be releasing under that name and i would also call that rock adjacent because it's um i almost wanted to call it jangly rock i don't i'm not very good at genres but um this one's more of like a real rock song but it's original song but I should say the Pokemon songs are also original. Um, but the, this is more like, this would be the first song I've ever written that involved politics in any way or any like serious subject. It's always mm-hmm. been like, like, yay, love and whatever. Um, sure. So it's it's kind of inspired by the last six years or so and my family thinking a certain way, let's, let's be vague, and uh, certain things they follow. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just say that, but Mm -hmm. so it's, it's like something that's meaningful for once, you know, like, so that's one of the things when I said I was kind of burned out or like frustrated with what I was doing, like, um, eight to 10 years ago, I, I feel like I just maybe wasn't injecting enough meaningfulness into my music and not, and not enough creativity. And I felt like I was playing the same things over and over again. But so now I feel like, I have broken out of that. And so I'm going to actually write some meaningful music. Nice. That's great. So are you planning on like shopping this to playlist curators and like trying to kind of do a similar strategy or is this just purely passion project kind of material that you don't really care about the commercial side of it? Um, This one, um, I mean, the Pokemon songs (laughs) in particular, I wasn't planning to release at all. But okay. then when it when it started to sound pretty good, I was like, why wouldn't I release this? I mean, yeah, this yeah. Is another, it's another fandom to reach, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that would, you know, and, and that's kind of been my strategy is to, yes, reach that fandom and, and build that, but also in between releases, intermittently release an original song. And if you've built up your following, like on Spotify or wherever, mm-hmm. But Spotify in particular, because once they're following you, they get any song you release into their um, their feed or whatever. The rotation. Yeah. yeah um, the dreaded A word. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I've gotten like over 2,000 followers on Spotify. Now, if I release an original song, I'm going to reach a bunch of those people automatically with my original song. Yeah. So I think of more that more along the lines of a, a benefit, but it's also a strategy. And I, I feel like doing cover songs, like there's, when I said I was a purist a long time ago, that was one of the things I'm like, I'm never going to do a cover song. Sure. But it is a great tool for getting listeners to your profile. They listen to that and they love it. They'll listen to your other music. Mm-hmm. Even if you only have one good cover. Yeah, it's a great way to 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 get into the eyes of the of these people because it, it's weird. It's like you would think, you know, for original music, you you write something that's let's say it, you know, there fits within a certain genre. Like, oh, like why wouldn't people like this too? But not oh, you know, all the people are searching your band name. So if they're searching right. Zelda covers, then you pop up. Like absolutely, it's it's so, it's so much more easy as far as searchability. So. It, makes a ton of sense it's a built-in audience and and the snobbery aspect of it is kind of funny to me because even the best bands in the world cover other other band songs yeah. you know and like so uh, everyone starts you exactly. know you, you start it's, covering your favorite music it's imitate first right you want to imitate mm. the best you know and, yeah um, Get your like chops. that's 
Exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I love playing covers. It's nice. awesome. Yeah, I think it holds a lot of uh, indie bands back in particular because they're like really like, oh, I only use tube amps. I only use these boutique <laughs> pedals. Like I'll never yeah. touch a cover. Uh, how dare you mention it? I'll, I'll die for. Yeah, yes, especially exactly. when you when you tell them like, oh, like this song sounds like, do, you know, do you listen to, uh, you know, you listen to Radiohead? Like this sounds very Radiohead and just get all pissed oh, off. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, this is an original piece of music. I wasn't inspired by anything. I live in a yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you say you're a purist 10 years ago, like uh, what was your training musically? Uh, did you go to college for music? No, um, I had definitely considered it. But uh, when I was six, I'd been begging my parents to get a piano. They found one for cheap piano lessons when I was six. But then like in high school, I started teaching myself the guitar and um, then the mandolin and bass guitar. And uh, oh, I guess in middle school, I also played the saxophone. So there's nice. that. But that's uh, my musical history, uh, very condensed. How do you feel it was teaching yourself versus getting lessons? Do you feel like you thrived in, in any particular way? Or, or how did you go about teaching yourself? It was good going at my own speed. But I could also be under motivated. Having somebody to push me would have been probably good, but then again, like I might not have, I might not, I just might have given up because of I don't like the pressure either. So I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it could have gone either way. But I think I could have learned a lot more techniques a lot quicker uh, as far as the guitar goes. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, like especially with teaching yourself. I, I'm curious because I, I taught myself as well when I was in school because I I just I couldn't afford lessons, so it was just like yeah. do it yourself and. You know, you, you definitely have to have that motivation because, you know, you're not having someone force you to go get lessons and you have to really do a lot of just trying different stuff, especially with the technique thing. You know, like, like yeah. there are some people who fall into those holes of just like bad technique and they just practice bad for years. But then again, um, nowadays we have YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was 16, there was no YouTube. Uh, or, or if there was, if there was, I wasn't aware of it. I don't, I can't remember what year that was. It came out, but I was just like, yeah, it's on a video website. Okay, whatever. And um, people were posting like trash on there at the beginning. Uh -huh. It wasn't. It was not educational content. Yeah, I, yeah. Used, I used to have to get CD ROMs and stuff, like any sort of copying VHS tapes. Did you ever do that? Get like <laughs> instructional tapes and like copy the 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 VHS to another VHS. Oh man! So well, don't admit for to us, your crimes. Um, I'm, I'm I didn't gonna, sell them. It was my own personal use. So, <laughs> well, I'm gonna um, give you a good throwback to the '80s. But um, my dad had a Betamax. Oh wow! VCR. Uh, but we had a regular VCR as well, so we would record back and forth between those two. So we couldn't just like swap them. If you recorded it onto Beta and you wanted it on the VCR, you had to record it back again to the VCR. Yeah, it, it, it's funny to see, you know, like like what people make happen when you're just like in a desperation mode when you're a kid like i don't know like <laughs> I, I i can't afford this stuff so you got to like make all of it happen so but a lot of this stuff we're talking about nathan has no idea what we're he's like vhs what's that no i remember the vhs <laughs> we didn't have a Betamax though yeah uh, well, craig uh I, i'm sure you also grew up in the time where we could be left at home a little bit longer than kids do now my brother taught me this way you could, because we were kind of into pyrotechnics kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, I, I used to set up scenes in the backyard, uh, roll the wire out and make our little devices. Uh, I had just watched Clear and Present Danger, um, the Tom Clancy <laughs> thing. So, you know, when they're like blowing stuff up anyway, I would roll it out and, you know, bury the cables and everything, set up the cords set up the, the the Betamax camcorder and film it blowing up, tape it to VHS in slow motion mode. Nice. And and like I can't remember if I had to record it back or not. That's what one of the things I used to use the camcorders for when my parents weren't around. So you're in um, the uh, you've been in the visual arts a long time, it sounds like yeah, I, I mean I seriously uh was interested in that. I started like designing this switchboard kind of thing uh, bury little charges all oh, along gosh. my yard so that i could have my friend run along like learn an action oh, movie. like yeah um <laughs> but yeah we we made some very short films as well it was just stupid but 
Um, oh, that's, we had, I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. Cause yeah. I'm glad you survived. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I still have a burn on my hand from trying to uh, blow up a spider, but, um, yeah, you deserve yeah. it. I <laughs> yeah. Right. You deserve right. it. Yeah. It's kind of the things I miss these days. Like back then when there was certain things, like there wasn't YouTube and you had to kind of DIY it way more. Cause you know, there's like five year olds that are delivering like, them to watch it. Yeah. Like there's five year old kids now that have iPads and they're just like learning how to do all this crazy stuff. Like, like, you know, back then it, it really goes to show like for the people that made stuff happen, like you had to really want to make that happen because there's no, you know, you, you can't go to your mom and dad. Hey, I want to do this and this. They're like, ah, oh, whatever, go outside. You know, unless but you have parents. That are, up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have fun. But you know, we need a place to live. Yeah, it's different, just different time. I think if you if you came from like taking that sort of, you know, work ethic or wanting to do something, especially into like today's day, you know, where it's so easy to to find information and being able to do stuff, it's like you're going to be pretty well off because you already have that want and work ethic to to make stuff happen. So yeah, I think it really made me feel like like all I got to do to make something is just jump in and do it, you know, mm -hmm. like where, like, um, my parents, not my parents, but my parents generation, I, f I feel like there's a lot of people like on computers specifically that would just get stuck because they weren't willing to push buttons and they weren't willing to, um, or, or they just couldn't see the bigger picture of how things worked. Whereas I grew up taking everything apart, including the th operational things my dad didn't want taken apart just jumping in and doing those kind of things. I also had an older brother that, that I could follow his example too. So that helped. That's cool. Yeah. To reverse engineering things. That's a great way to, to learn anything. Just start from breaking it apart and seeing how things work. And then to thinking outside of the box of like how it could work if you modified it. Mm -hmm. Iteration. So speaking of that a little bit, if you were going to give advice to a new composer who's trying to get some traction on Spotify, what advice would you give? Uh, let's, let's say they love a certain brand or some, some well-loved brand and they want to kind of do a similar formula of attacking the cover material. What advice would you give them starting out? Well, um, I'm not sure this part is necessary, but I think it is important and it, and it can help a lot. Um, especially how you go about it, but I've found that the social media communities that I've gotten myself into, like I wasn't much of a Twitter person, mm -hmm. but I started following and getting involved with conversations with a whole lot of uh, those people, you know, not just in a, in a way like I want to get you interested in my stuff, but like yeah. in a genuine way, I started like, cause I'm interested in video games too. You know, I just genuinely talking to them. Sometimes it's just personal stuff. If you are actively talking to people in a genuine way, when you put something out that is in their, I don't know, sphere of interest or something, I just made yeah. that up, but then they will be like, oh, I, you, they feel connected to you. They, they kind of feel like, oh, I wonder what that is. You know, they're, they're actually interested in it, genuinely interested in it. So I would say get on Instagram and Facebook groups, Twitter. If you're into Discord and Reddit, do that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not terribly plugged in on either of those things, but um, I, I try. But the Twitter community has really, like the last release I did, Peace Returns from Minish Cap, like I didn't think anybody was going to really, I thought I might get a few likes on my posts and a few people listening, but holy cow, like 70 people retweeted it. Oh, wow. And tons of people liked the post commented on it and you know uh were really positive and followed me and like wow so if you make a genuine effort to get involved with community the that community um in every way that you have time and make sure you're genu genuinely interested in the people and the subject matter so choose wisely yeah and and don't and don't just be there to manipulate people into listening to your music. <laughs> Spamming, yeah. Because they will know. Yeah. They're like, anyway, so that's cool, but uh, I was just working on this new track. You're just that guy who's just <laughs> dropping links. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have anxiety too. Listen to this. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, one thing I've struggled with is being patient for the next release. Like, I really want to release this now. Uh, don't release too, too often. 
you know, maybe four weeks. Yeah. Time it so out. That, be, be a little bit more strategic. Yeah. Um, especially on Spotify. Like I don't think you should release more than uh, every four weeks. So be patient. Don't rush things. I mean, be patient on your music too. I mean, th- there's a lot of things where you, you could use that. Be patient. And the, the traction effect or the compounding effect of, you know, you ha- you're on some playlists now, you have a bunch of streams. And so you're probably getting on some random playlists now and, instead of asking to be on playlists. Yes. And that's, that's the traction effect of already being somewhat successful. Like success begets more success. Yeah, just having that momentum. and Exactly. It's kind of, it's like working out, you know, like when, when you get to a point where you have, you know, more muscle, it, you're constantly burning fat, even when you're not even working out. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to, I need to start working out. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I spent hours and hours and hours doing everything I could to like in, in multiple ways, trying to um, be successful on Spotify in particular. Yeah. But I did a lot of other things we haven't mentioned. Just spending as much time as you can uh, figuring out all those things and being smart about it. But the next thing was uh, we, we kind of already touched on too is rejection is guaranteed. It's just, it's a guarantee. It will happen most of the time probably unless you have amazing music that fits on all of the playlists here. And there's probably a good chance that they're not even pressing play most of the time. You know, they might not even open whatever you sent them. So even if you have amazing music, it's it's not a guarantee that you're going to get anywhere. Yeah, especially like on Submit Hub or something. You can send them an instrumental track and they'd be like, the vocals are too loud. (sighs) Right. (laughs) Not for me. Automated Um, rejection. (laughs) Yeah. If you find a niche, find, I mean, that's super important find a niche and be different. So like there are so many people making similar music in my genre. Sure. Setting yourself apart in some way um, in style or even your online personality. I mean, that can make the difference too. I'm not good at that. I just interact with people, you know, that's as good as I can do. But some people are really good at I mean, if you picked, a, you know, something you're passionate about, like um, mental health or something like that, I mean, that is, that can be just part of the personality you put forward. And a lot of people connect with that or, or like inject that into your music or something like that. That can actually be surprisingly effective. I haven't done anything like that because I didn't, I didn't feel it that wasn't be, genuine. Yes, exactly. This next point is something you guys will uh, connect with. Don't spend a lot of money on plugins <laughs> unless you absolutely have to, uh, especially when there are free alternatives. I think a lot of companies have freebies, especially if you invest in contact. Like if nothing else, invest in contact because if you have contact, you can tap into a huge number of great instruments. Yeah, I think what it, what it comes down to is it's like what we were saying about you know your childhood and and doing pyrotechnic stuff, it's all about being resourceful. And I think that's one of the things with technology that's become lost, especially like being resourceful and not having a lot of things. Like, why do you think so many of these things have come out because of that? You know, like, you know, I don't have this, I need to make it. That's, I think, a, a, a lost art or skill or something that I think should be explored more by people, even if they have the means of buying everything. Like, it's very easy to just like hit purchase, check out. And then most of the time people load it up or they forget they have it. It's just like, oh, I bought it. It's gone. It's like, yeah. it's like buying a shirt and you never wear it. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like yeah. when you really need a shirt guaranteed, you're going to wear that every day, you know, or like, I don't have a get fabric, make your own, you know, like that's the thing. I think a lot of people should start doing even more, even if you have the ability, because it, it tweaks a different part of your brain. It's not just anyone can buy something, but <laughs> you have more of a deeper connection, especially, you know, making your own instruments on contact, like recording it yourself. It's more personal, you yeah. know, personal to you. And and you kind of cherish it a little bit more. I think I wanted to know what's, so what's next for you as far as, you know, anything else that you've been wanting to do project wise, aside from like the covers and, and doing that sort of thing. Is there anything that maybe music related or, or anything like that, that you've wanted to dive in and do that you haven't yet? Yeah. Um, I've had this, project kind of on hold for a number of years. So on my website or, or through my link tree, or, you know, even on my Spotify, you'll see um, the Emberwood theme 
it looks like it's supposed to be from a movie or something, but it's actually um, an original that I wrote. So where that came from is um, I have these uh, this photo of my son, my older son, dressed as Link, um, okay. and it's it's on our wall. And my daughter didn't have one yet. She she loves photo shoots more than anybody else does. <laughs> um, and I hadn't done a fantasy photo shoot with her, so I was like, okay, my son is being a swordsman. How about you be an archer so to be something different? And she loved the idea. So this whole project, there's about five photos. There's three done. You can see them on my photography Instagram. But it's it's like the the photos are in cinematic too. So on the Emberwood theme, the cover is uh, a picture of my daughter that I did in a cinematic way. And then it's like a cinematic theme song that would be like the beginning of a TV show or something. I, I kind of want to do a whole soundtrack to it. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet. But the the original thing... I was inspired to do when I started doing the photos was make a fantasy story as well. Oh, man, I did so much uh, world building and kind of mapped out most of the story on a outline, uh, came up with characters. So it's, it's a pretty big project. I, and I'd love yeah. to, I'd love to finish that. It keeps growing. Uh, another thing of note is that uh, in the pictures you can see up there, I actually made most of those props that uh, like the bow, I made the bow. Oh, wow. I, br- I braided the bowstring. I made the arrows from a bush in the backyard and feathers. Um, <laughs> nice. But the arrowhead that looks beautiful came from a guy in the UK that like mapped it by hand. Oh, wow. Um, so I wanted to do all that because it, it's material for the story. Like, I need to know how hard it is for her at like, because my daughter is kind of the main character. I want to know how difficult it is for her as she's learning these things in the story so that I can write about it effectively. Yeah, so you have a real test subject to uh, do your do your science experiments <laughs> yeah. for the story on. That's a cool passion project. That's very big. It sounds like it keeps growing on you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I might never get it done if I let it get, keep growing. Right. Uh. All right, my final question for you, and then we'll wrap this up, is uh, do you have a favorite YouTube channel or podcast or TV show at the moment? What are, what are some media that you're enjoying? When you're not composing music. Yeah. Um, that's kind of hard because I haven't been watching as much TV. I mean, and when I do, it's like with my wife or kids, so I don't have as much a choice about it. So I'm going to pick the podcast category. Okay. And I am listening to a lot of music-related podcasts and video game-related podcasts, to, you know, to be in that community and all that and um, be a part of it. But the podcast I'm most excited about when it pops up is uh, called uh, Darknet Diaries. Oh, okay. So it's something different outside of music and photography and and the gaming community. It kind of lets me be somewhere else. But it's uh, about whenever there is a series of like uh, security breaches in like you know companies or. Uh, it could be a story about anything that uh, involves people getting in trouble with computers, basically, okay. or or you know he even interviews people from people from the NSA and stuff um, about or or pen testers or hackers and all sorts of stuff. It's a fascinating show. So is it all true stories? Yes. So he interviews the okay. the people involved as long as they're not in jail. <laughs> because <laughs> hmm, right. there there are a couple people he interviewed and they're like yeah i i got a report for jail in like two weeks wow you know? yikes yikes yeah. yeah the dark net and the dark web scare the hell out of me like yeah dude like I, i've seen a couple shows or movies that talk about stuff like that like it, it's crazy man sounds like an interesting listen though I, I like watching a lot of like crime and like crime stories stuff like that so it's it's that kind of stuff is interesting yeah, I haven't heard of that. I'll have to check it out. So you have a single coming out in three days, and then you have a new album coming out next month. Under under another mulligan, uh, there will be one on the 31st and the 4th, just so I can get stuff out. But under just my name, Aaron Grubb, uh, it'll be uh, on the 12th would be the full album. Very nice, man. So you want people to go check you out on Spotify, follow you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter? Yeah. And hopefully, um, uh, can I send you a link tree link? Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, we'll have that in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to check that out, make sure to check out the show notes to click the link and check it out. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody has any questions, um, like of stuff I didn't cover or, you know, advice, I guess, cause people do email me about that kind of thing. Um, or just DM me or whatever. Um, feel welcome to do that. Right on, man. Aaron, thanks for being so generous with your time. We'll catch yeah. you soon. All yeah. right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for guys. dropping all kinds of cool knowledge on us. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, guys. Thanks. Yeah, this right. was a blast. All right, Craig. Catch you soon. All righty. See you next week. Peace. Bye-bye.